you to get something to write with because I want to give you some practical principles, especially for the times that we're going through individually as a church and even as a country. Do you know, I believe, and I want you to get this, it is a good thing sometimes to have all the props pulled out from under us occasionally. Let me tell you what that does because it gives some sense of what is rock under our feet and what is sand under our feet. Let me say that again. I think there are moments that God pulls those props out from underneath us. And when we look under those props, we find out is there rock or is there sand? And we have usually, I believe, when that happens and we see the props pulled out that we're seeing happen all over the world, not just as a country, but even individually, the props are being pulled out. And you're, be able, to, you're able to see clearer, clearer than ever before, that's rock and that's sand. And when that happens, I believe we have three choices that, that we can begin to, to live by and to, and to go when all of a sudden life begins to get hard and uncertain and the props are gone. I think we either begin to give up, give in, or we give it to God. And that's what I want to just even tell you today. And I think this is so important. I think this is a time to, to opt for option number three. Let's give it to God today. Whatever happens, because people are now realizing that no one can script life, that literally tomorrow everything can change. We don't even know what will happen in the next year. I mean, think about this for a moment. Right before March 9th in our country, we, the U.S. had the lowest unemployment rating in its history. And then four weeks later, after March 9th, it changed to the highest unemployment rating in U.S. history, even higher than after the Great Depression in four weeks because the props get pulled out. Do we give up? Do we give in? Or today, do we just give it to God? The props are being pulled out and we're finding out what's sand and what's rock that we're standing upon. Today, Cindy and I are so humbled and we're both honored that with, to be with you at Times Square Church as senior pastors that we never would have scripted. We never would have begun to write the script of this whole thing. Even when I think of Pastor Carter and Pastor Teresa, that they couldn't have scripted that God is going to begin to change a direction for them, that they are going to begin, though such an important part of Times Square Church, they are going to begin to call a nation to prayer, to call churches to prayer, to call leaders to prayer. That Pastor Teresa is beginning to call, to call those young people at Summit to, to a higher life and a higher calling in their life. God, is, God scripts this. God removes props so we can begin to see things clearer. I mean, I want you to think about this. Because if we knew, get this now, if we knew all the answers, then there would no, be no need for trust in God if we had all the answers. I could, I could tell you that this is going to be more true than ever for me in a couple of weeks. Because today... My daughter, my oldest daughter, Anna, turns 18 years old. And I'm thinking now I have two teenagers that can vote in my house. And then in three weeks, we'll have our youngest turn 13. Talk about someone who doesn't have all the answers. That's why we trust God. This is, this is important when those props are moved out because this is a moment, even as a parent, we trust God. We see what we're doing is what's sand and what's rock. And I think that's why part of the process, listen to me close. Part of the process of spiritual maturity is coming to the edge or even the end 
of our understanding and then be continuing to walk ahead, not knowing what will happen next, but really getting to focus on taking God's hand. And that's, I think, what God does. That's what I think he's doing for us as a home, for us as a church, and for us as a nation. We have come to the edge of our understanding, and now we have that opportunity to not give up or give in, but to give it to God. And that's what exactly what he's doing today. Let me, let me explain how important this is. Because when I think about even parenting and thinking about raising four teenagers, I think it's all about hearing God's voice when all the props are gone. Hearing God's voice when all the distractions are removed away. Um, nothing is more frightening for a parent than when you have that first child and to think, I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to do this. I've read the books and it's interesting to me all the time. Let me pause for a moment. How much people who are having their first child become experts without any experience. Let me just tell you something. Um, once you start having children and get a little battle scars, you start to go, oh my goodness, I wasn't an expert with that first one. I remember one couple coming to me and going, we're having our first child. We read all the books. We know what we're doing. And the first thing they said to us was, we found out in our research that, that babies are supposed to have cloth diapers. And Cindy and I looked at each other and go, that will last three weeks. Well, that lasted three days. And so what happens though is we think we're experts until God pulls the props out, until you actually take that baby home, until you're actually in the game. And probably the most frightening thing that has ever happened to me with our oldest son, Christian, is what happened when we finally uh, took our kids to Disney World for the very first time. And at the end of every evening, everyone gathers, thousands of people around the castle, uh, Cinderella's castle. Fireworks are going, they've gotten dark, it's loud, there's music and fireworks. And I'll never forget the time that we are having our four children right there. And I'll never forget that moment when you are packed, you can't even hear yourself speak. And I looked at Cindy, I see a stroller, I see grandparents, I see our girls, but I don't see our son. Probably the most frightening moment for a parent is to the, app, the thought that I lost my child. Talk about feeling like a failure. Here we are at Disney World and I'm looking at Cindy and she's looking at me and he is nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. And, and I'm walking around looking at, at, at people going, did you see a little boy with a New York Yankee hat? Did you see a little boy with a New York Yankee hat? And nobody is paying attention because they're looking at fireworks. It's so loud. Even if I yell his name, he can't even hear it. That's why when we're in a season like this, let me just tell you something. There, there is all these things that are coming at us and we're thinking to ourselves, how do I even get rescued? How do I get help? How do I begin to find what the next step is for me? When everything is changing around me, and I'm looking at fireworks, and while everyone else is ooing and aahing, rejoicing and clapping hands, inside of my heart, it's, it's coming apart. I'm coming apart inside. I've lost my son. And there's no hope. We're, we're packed in with these people. And all of a sudden, I can tell you this, I just stopped and paused as everybody is looking up at what's happening in the sky. And I remember bowing my head in the midst of the noise and just going, God, help me. I lost my boy. I lost my son. And I'll never forget that moment. L listen to me. I found his voice. I found his voice in the dark. 
I found his voice at nightfall. I heard a voice amongst tens of thousands of people that were distracted by fireworks and music in a castle. And I found his voice in the dark. And I heard this. I heard this inside of me because it was hopeless. There was nowhere to find him. And I heard this voice said, find a policeman, find a policeman. And I remember walking across the bridge, which was even out of the way. And I, and I see a policeman there. I walk right up to him and I just look at him. I said, officer, I lost my son. I'm looking for a little boy with a New York Yankee hat on. And without even a pause in the conversation, he says to me, you mean him. My son found the policeman and waited there until dad came and got him. You know what, it, you know what I found? I found a voice in the dark. I found God's voice in the midst of the noise. See, no national leader could have predicted the pandemic on their radar. No pastor thought we will not be meeting in a building and having church online. And in fact, it became real to the church that when Easter Sunday wasn't happening and now Mother's Day is not happening. And in a season that we're in right now, it's time for us to find his voice in the dark. To find the voice of God with noise all around us, with, with bombardment of, from newscasts and from, from all that's happening um, around the world. It's to find his voice in the dark. Because when the dust clears, things are going to be different in America and around the world. Things are going to have change in our society. And even maybe with the way that we are so used to doing church. But I want to tell you, we can find hope in change. We can find security by finding the voice of God in the dark. And this is what's so important. How do, I, how do I find his voice? How do I find hope when everything is changing so fast and changing around me today? Listen, listen for a moment to David's words of what he did in the dark. In one of his darkest moments, David says this, in that day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you, God, and I trust in you with all of my heart. What harm could man bring to me? And with God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God will fill my heart. And here it is. Listen to me close. He says this, and I will always triumph as I trust his promises. Hallelujah. Think of those words for a second. Just that final phrase. When David is afraid, when David's in the dark, when the fireworks are going, when voices are coming around, David says these words, I will triumph as I trust in his promises. I will triumph as I trust in his promises. I, I, just for a second, would you just say that out loud wherever you are? Just say, I will triumph as I trust in his promises. I will triumph as I trust in his promises. I love that. And let me give you just today one of those promises that I think brings triumph to us when everything around us is changing. In fact, it's a great change is coming verse in the Bible that God promises for his people during changing times. It's, it's, it's a verse that gives me triumph, that gives me, that gives me a voice in the dark, that gives me a voice when everything else is noisy and it's finding his voice. And I think I found his help in a passage of scripture because it was used for a change, a huge change that was coming for a people of God. See, Moses is about to talk about change with the children of Israel. In fact, the Bible says it's his final words. It's his last words that he's ever going to speak. And that's the way the chapter starts off. Deuteronomy 32 and 33 are literally said to be Moses' last words. 
And his last words are about to speak about a change that's coming. I want you to think about this because Moses speaks, in fact, of four big changes in these chapters that are coming in Deuteronomy 32 and 33. He says, we are moving. There's going to be a leadership change. You're going you're to have to attend a number of funerals and there's even going to be a job change. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the season that we're in right now, individually as a church and as a country. He says there's going to be leadership, there's moving, there, there, there even is going to be grief because of death, and there's also going to be job changes. Think about this, because what he was saying to them was this. He said there was going to be moving that's going to happen. You're, you're leaving, you're going to be leaving a lifestyle that you knew in a wilderness, and you're going to be moving into Canaan, into a promised land. There's, there's going to come a landscape change for you. Then he tells them this, there's going to be a leadership change. He said, he says, I will not be here forever. That Moses is now going to pass the baton to Joshua. And then he says this, he says, there is going to be death. There's going to be grief in the camp. He said, because all of those people that believe those spies are not going to go into that. In fact, of all those people, only two are going to go in. And that's going to be Joshua and Caleb. They'll have, they'll see it with their eyesight. So, and then he says this, he says, and there's really going to be a job change. That you've known the occupation of being a nomad in the desert, but what's going to happen now is you're going to be turning into farmers now. There's going to be a job change. And Moses is telling them, I don't, I don't know how big of huge changes. Most of us can just deal with one of these, moving or a death in the family or a change of leadership or even a change of jobs. And Moses says, all four are about to happen. And Moses is saying, you can have hope when change is coming. You can have hope when it seems like everything, everything is changing around you. But I don't think anything can be more difficult for this. But really what God does is he says this, in the midst of changing, in the midst of huge changes, he tells, he tells his word through Moses. He says, I've got something for you. And this is what he says. He said, God tells him when you are experiencing, listen to this now, massive changes in your life. It is so simple. He says, I want you to remember a bird. I want you to remember the eagle. It's just it's one passage. He just goes, jobs are changing. You're going to be attending some funerals. There's a leadership change, and you're going to be moving. And he says, in the midst of massive changes in your life, this one verse, this is one of the David verses that says that we will triumph in his promises as we trust his promises. It was Moses in this swan song that he begins to say, who is about to die, and these were his last words. I want to read them to you because I want you to see that in the midst of change, in the midst of all this, God goes, I got you. I got you on the move. I got you on the job change. I got you that if one of your family members, that their, that their health couldn't handle a COVID-19 virus and, and, and you didn't even have, you weren't even able to kind of shut that chapter because you couldn't even gather at a funeral home. And you're thinking to yourself, how in the midst of all this that's happening around me, how can I begin to have any type of hope in the midst of change? And right here, Moses says, in the biggest changes of your life, God goes, I want you to remember this eagle. Listen, listen to these words. Deuteronomy 32, verse 10. He said, he found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled them and he cared for them. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Now here it is. And like an eagle that stirs up the nest, that hovers over its young, spreads its wings and catches them, he carried them on his pinions and the Lord alone guided him. He was speaking about the children of Israel. 
He was speaking about the changes that are coming. He was telling them in the midst of all this, Moses was reflecting that in the hurricane of changes to the people of God, they needed to know that God was there with them during it and after it. During the changes and even after the changes. Moses was speaking about this philosophy of disturbance, but it's a real good disturbance because it's the removing of the props. It's the removing of all those things. And, and God is saying to them, when all the props are gone, you're going to see what's actually sand and what's actually rock. And really, there's only one rock, and his name is Jesus. It's the only rock that we can stand on. And the way to speak about change was only with this eagle imagery. See, what he was saying to them was this. Listen close. He was saying this eagle's nest is so important because it's a revelation not only of the change, but the care during the change. That's what, that's what that verse is so important about. He says, this is not just a revelation of change, but it's also of the care of God over his people, over you today during that change. I, I like the way the King James Version says it. If you want to know how this relates in, in the King James, it says in verse 11, as an eagle and verse 12 says, so the Lord will do the same. So the Lord will follow in those steps. He was saying that I, I want to give you an image, a picture on what I do for you when it seems that the world is changing around you. God says, when change comes, remember that eagle. Remember this one thing. As the eagle, so the Lord. Now, let me, let me break it up for you because this is where I want you to write something down. This is where I want you to go. I want to have these notes, Pastor Tim, during and after to know that when change is coming, this is God helping me as a believer, as one of his children. How come? As the Lord, as the eagle, so the Lord will do this. Because God doesn't change. I think that's the same thing that happens today. He's an unchanging God. I think, I think he cares for us the same way. And moving, job change, occupy, uh, job change, um, also death and dealing with grief, and even leadership change. The, the, this is the way I just want to break it down and walk you through this, because I think this is so important for us as a church. He is, he is the God, I want you to get this, that I think these three words came to my heart as I started to pray for you and pray, this is so important for us as a church even as an individual, it's important for me as a, as a father and as a husband. He is the God who breaks, who broods, and who bears. The, these three words are so important because you're going to see the character of God in all of those in the midst of change. He, he is the one who breaks the, up the nest to make us feel at times uncomfortable. This is the removing of the props. He'll break up the nest that we have kind of been so comfortable with, he'll break it up to deal with the uncomfortable. He will brood over us to always make us aware that his presence is here. That's such an important word. We'll get to that. And then he is the God who bears us up, bears us on his wings to make us ready for a brand new chapter of our life. Those, those words are so important. It's the breaking to move from comfortability to uncomfortability, which is real trust in God. He is the God who broods to let you know, listen, there's going to be moments you may not feel like I'm close, but I am always there. And he is the God who bears us on his wings when we feel like everything is taken out from underneath us. But he wants, he's the God that says, I'm going to get you ready for this. Keep, keep this in mind that many times God changes stuff so God can change you and me. God will change stuff around us so he can bring change to us. And that's what needs to happen in this season, in my life, in my family, as we go through this time. And sometimes 
Can I just say this to you? It takes change to even change. It will take changing times. And this is exactly what God is doing to change us. So let's, let's walk through this as a church. Let's walk through this church family on how important this is. Can I find hope? Can I find hope in the midst of everything changing around me, not knowing what May 15th or 16th is going to look like? Because no one can even begin to forecast or, or script out, well, it's June 1st, we'll be back together, or July 1st, or July 15th, or August 1st. From the biggest organizations in the world, they're, they're, they're trying to figure it out going, okay, let's postpone a season. Let's, let's change this thing. And we don't even know if that's, if that's going to change. It's like a moving target. But with God, he's got you. He's got his people. And he's got his church. So let me walk you through this. Write this down. The first thing is this. He is the God who will break up our nest. He'll stir the comfortable. He's the God that can break up the nest. That's what he says here. In fact, Keep this in mind, not, not all change, rapid change, is from the devil. Many times, it's God getting us to a growing season because we've been stagnant in the season that we're in. I think what God's doing now, he is, he is beginning to call families and, and even a country to find his voice in the dark, like we just talked about. See, change may come because we have become too comfortable and relying on the wrong things and not relying upon God. I, and, and can I just say this? It's, I don't think maybe. I think it is. That's what he's doing. See, it seems that every time God is getting ready to do something and bring even change to our family, he breaks up a nest. See, one of the craziest things that would happen even with an eagle is this. There will come a day when a mama eagle will finally come home with all those little babies in a nest, and she knows it's time. They, she knows they've gotten comfortable that mom who has fed them, who has done everything for them, there comes a day that they tell us that the mom comes home and seems to be out of her mind. And with that giant beak and those big talons, she starts ripping out all the comfortability of the net. Every skin of an animal, feathers, every leaves, anything that made that stick nest comfortable and that lined it, she comes home one day and starts ripping everything out. And that baby that was in there, whose time is up, who got comfortable being fed and everything being done for it, starts ripping out all the comfortable parts. And now what used to be a comfortable seat now starts to stick. Now all of a sudden is not comfortable anymore. That's not the place you want to be. The mom knows exactly what she's doing. And that's what's so important. See, God, he says, will break up the nest so we don't get stuck. He's breaking up the nest so we're not sitting when we should be flying. That we're not sitting when we should be, be being done, doing something for God. See, even th think about this. Because that's exactly what God seems to be doing now. It's a calculated disturbance that God is calling families and people back to himself. Going, I'm going to start pulling out all the comfortable things that you held on to. From, from a salary to a place to a zip code. And all of a sudden, we're all sitting in a nest of sticks going, what do we do? And God's going, this is a calculated moment that I'm calling you to do something you've never done before. And it could be as, as, as important as today going, the reason why I'm uncomfortable, the reason why I can't sit here anymore is because I've got to give my life to God. I've got to find a relationship with them. It could be anything that God is calling us to. 
I love what the, what the Baptist preacher Vance Havner said. Listen to these words. He says, sometimes your medicine bottles have on it shake well before using. And he said, that's what God does with some of his people. He has to shake them well before they're ever usable. That's what's happening. He's shaking well because he wants to use his church again. He's shaking the, the way we do worship, the way we do church. He's shaking it to go, this is, this is a stick nest. I'm doing something to get you into a place that you wouldn't have gone to on your, on your own. So Mama Eagle has to come and break up the nest for the comfortable. That's what happens. But he's also number two, jot this down. He's also the God that broods over us. I love this word. I'll explain it in a second. Broods over us. God stays close to us. In our growth, in the growth spurt, in the growing season. Let me, he's, he's, he calculated, says, though it's uncomfortable, I don't leave you. I'm there with you. And I want to pause for a second because I think this is important. We, it's not, it's not something that is um, private and it, because it's become very public in the last couple of days. A friend of this church and a man who has made impact on so many of us in this church and outside is Ravi Zacharias. And some of you have heard the report, but Ravi was diagnosed with cancer. First, they thought it was a back issue. And then it, the doctors found a very rare form of cancer, a very aggressive, rare form of cancer. And then as he went down to MD Anderson in Houston, Texas, they realized how aggressive it is as it's become. And once again, this is all public information. And they sent Ravi home back, back to his home in Atlanta. And we are called upon to pray. But I want to say, listen, I don't, I don't know if Ravi will hear this or is watching. He says he loves, he told Pastor Carter the last time he was here, he says, I love this church. This is a church I can call home. I just want to say something to you, Ravi, is this. He has never left you. He is there. He is there with you. You have given yourself to, to, to lifting up the name of Jesus around the world and to kings and to dignitaries and to professors and college students. He is there. At times, he may not seem close, but he broods. His shadow is there, which means he's close. And we are praying for you. We are believing for healing even just to come to you. When God, when God brings change, when, when, when the nest gets stirred, can I just say this? There is no book. There is no manual. There is no instruction guide. Listen to me. But there is God. He's there. That's what the word brood means, is, is, is that there is a proximity. See, when that mother begins to brood over its young, she wants those eagles to know that she is, but she is close, but she is not smothering. She's not, she's not there trying to smother her way into getting her to do something. There's a moment she limits her proximity to awaken something in them to start to make movement. She limits the proximity. Doesn't mean she's gone. That's why this word brood um, is so important. Some, some, one version will say hover, but brood just means close enough, but not smothering, not up, not up against you. It's so that they can change but under the watchful eye of the mom, that, that as they move, that mom is right there with them. The word brood means to be close, but not always right next to, but she's there and, and God is there. I was reading the story of a tribe in South America, the initiation rite for a young man that was going from 12 to 13 years old. 
And the, the, what, the, what the tribe would do is take him into the deepest part of the jungle all by himself and leave that little boy there all night all by himself. It was the father, his own father, who had to lead him and leave him there in the middle of the jungle away from any protection. No props. Give in, give up, or give it to God. No props. That boy would sit there all night long listening to the ghoulish sounds of the jungle, not knowing in the dark what was coming near him, what wild animal, what was going to begin to take place. When the sun rose, it says that this tribe, what this tribe would do is when the sun rose, the boy would look out just a few feet away and he saw his father sitting there. And it was amazing because when the little boy saw his father sitting there, who was sitting there all night next to his son, the boy asked, have you been there all night? And the father replied, I was there all night. Do you think I would ever leave you alone? Do you think you were ever left alone? There is hope for everyone that's watching. Can I tell you that if you're sitting there, even in an apartment all by yourself, God is there. He's never left you alone. He's, never, he's been there. This is, this is God going, I'm close. I'm brooding over you. You're never, you're never out of his watchful eye. L listen to this passage that so many of us have said, but I want to I let you see it in a different light. Listen to Hebrews 13, 5. You know this verse. It says, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the brooding verse of the New Testament and of the New Covenant. Listen, listen, because this is a rare verse. And sometimes we say it so much that we have forgotten really what it's saying. I, I was reading one place that this verse contains an unusual, no other place in the New Testament, an unusual triple negative. In fact, it says it's, it's good English, but it's not good Greek to have a triple negative. And it should be translated like this. You ready for this? He will never, never, never forsake us or leave us. Think about that. Never, never, never. Triple negative. I will never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. See, when we're in conflict, our tendency is to ask the same question over and over and over again. When the props are taken away, we ask the same question. When the, when the soft stuff is pulled out of the nest and change is coming, we ask the same questions. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? And God saw fit for you and for me to go, let me just emphasize, I will never, never, never leave you or forsake you. Ask as many times, where are you? And I'll say, I've never left you. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. How come? Because that's the kind of God that he is. That when change is coming, you can find hope when change comes because you're going to find God in the midst of change. He's the God that will break the nest, but he's also the God that will brood over the, us. And finally, let's close with this. He is the God who bears us up when we feel like we're falling. When we feel like there's nothing underneath us, God is underneath us when nothing else is. That's, that's, this is so important. See, God decided to teach his children about moments when you feel like you have nothing to stand on. That's what happens with flying. There is nothing underneath. This is that scary moment. And it doesn't matter how smart you are. We just can't script what's ahead. Do I, will I have a job? Will, will I get a virus? What will, what will happen to even maybe even something I've laid up, a nest egg I've laid up for children, for as an inheritance, for my grandkids? 
There are people that are afraid. There are elderly people that are afraid to go, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at risk. I, I can't see myself ever going back into New York City. The next season that God brings us to is the one that he bears us on his wings. Here's, here's, what, God, here's what God does. As the eagles, so the Lord. As the eagles, so the Lord. Listen to what it says. This is important. One of the most fascinating things is that once the comfortability is ripped apart, once the mom begins to brood and kind of just remove a little bit of smothering and proximity to go, it's time that you need to know, I'm moving into a new season. I'm there. The mom will just say, now there's something in you that you didn't even realize. It says that mom will put those eagles, those little eagles on her wings and start to fly with them. And then one by one, she's flying. She'll tip over and watch them roll off. The ones that were sitting have the potential for flying now have to be pushed in a sense or the lean has to go and she watches them one by one begin to fall off. And now the eagle is in midair. Nothing underneath. There is no nest. There's not even sticks underneath them anymore. And that mom will watch them frantically trying to, trying to use a gift that they didn't even know that they had called those wings. And all of a sudden, they're fluttering, they're going, and it says that just before they hit the ground, that mom swoops up, swoops up, catches them on the wing, and brings them back up, and gets ready to do it again. And here's what's crazy. Scientists say that mom will do it 40 to 50 times until they get it. Talk about that patience. I, I, I'm blown away because God will just go, I'm going to tip, I'm going to tip. You're going to feel like there's nothing underneath you. You're going to feel like there's nothing to stand on. See, we got tipped. Listen, we got tipped on March 9th. Nothing underneath. News changing. What's going to happen to my city? What's going to happen? There's a little bit of a tip that begins to take place, but God goes, you'll never fall. You'll feel like nothing's there. I'll come right back up and we'll keep doing this until you begin to get it. You may feel like you're in a free fall. You were just on his wings. God was just there and here, and you feel like you have no footing. You've been kicked out of a nest. And, but, but what he's doing is He's not, he's not forsaking you. Never, never, never. He's just getting ready to bring you into a place of flying that you've never been before. Think about this because some of you, you know what flying may mean for some of you? Flying may mean literally, you saw it on the announcements. God may be going, I'm making things uncomfortable. I may have removed some props. Listen to me close because some of you need to hear this from different countries and different states. God may be saying, you know what I'm doing? I'm tipping you and you're supposed to land at Summit, our Bible school. I'm just, I'm just kind of tipping, tipping you off, going like, I remove the props out of the way. Listen to me close because God may be saying this to someone out there. I'm removing some of those props to send you to a place to fly that you've never flown before. And those props being removed to say, that's sand, this is rock, and I'm going to send you there. And maybe that's it. Maybe God is doing that for some of you. Maybe it is uncomfortable. And you're going, God, why am I uncomfortable in this season? It may be Summit. You, you, you saw it on the, on the announcements. Why don't you do this today, just for a second, just for a second. Why don't you text that word Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T, the name of our Bible school. It's real simple, 48, 48, 48. That's all it is. I just want you to text it and just go, this may be my tipping moment. This is the tipping moment that God finally is saying, I want you to fly. I want you. I want you to prepare for ministry. I want you to prepare for what God has for your future. That may be that moment. That may be your tipping point that God does this.
See, God is teaching us in this season. Listen to me close. Now let's close here for just a moment. When you're about to go into a change season, like the children of Israel, Moses' swan song, Deuteronomy 32, 33, you're going to change jobs. You're going to change locations. You're going to change leadership. You're really going to start to change relationships because the people that you thought were with you for these 40 years, there's going to be a lot of funerals. There's going to be a lot of closure to relationships that you got comfortable with and you thought were always part of your life. That's what happened to some of you. And Moses tells us, don't have to be afraid of a change season. With the four biggest changes that can ever come to anybody's life and is, is happening in real time right now during this season. God, let me, let me just sum it up. God, God is saying this. Number one, you may be surprised by what's happening, but God never is. You may be shocked. God wasn't. He's the one who busted up the nest. He's the one that came in and said, to the comfortable, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Number two, he has carefully orchestrated this moment and knows you will not have to face it alone. He is brooding over his children. He is there. He is there, Ravi Zacharias. He is there for everyone that is, feels, I've never been down this road before. And finally, number three, worry isn't an option. Worry isn't any help to get me through uncertain times, but certainty that God will never let me fall. Worry doesn't help anything. In fact, it was the great Holocaust survivor, writer of uh, The Hiding Place, Corey Temboon, that says this. Listen to these words. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry will never get you to where you need to go. It's a trust. It's a certainty. And he is the God that if I'm feeling uncomfortable, he hasn't left me. Never, never, never. And he's the God that won't let me fall. He's always there. David was facing a very uncertain time in his life. Talk about experiencing death, job change, leadership change, and and, and even moving from a palace to on the run, from not knowing where he's going to spend every night, while he is in the midst of running for his life. He's watched relationships change. Relationships that he was about to, that he could rely on now have turned against him. Everything was falling apart in his world. Change, massive change was coming to David's life. But li listen to me, but orchestrated change by God was coming to his life. And I want to read to you what David says, even when he was talking about the relationship change. Listen to this. This is Psalm 55. And it says, as for me, I'm going to call upon you, God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon. Pastor Tim, how do you do that? Well, if you're in quarantine, call upon him. Evening, morning, and noon. I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. Can we just stop there? That so blesses me. Greg, can I just tell you, I love that he says, I will complain and murmur, and God goes, I'll hear that. Because you know what I've learned a lot? I've learned this even in marriage. I'm thinking about Mother's Day. I've learned this. So many times I complain and murmur to the wrong people. God goes, complain and murmur to me because I can handle it. Talk to me. God says, you're complaining and murmuring to him? That counts as prayer. He says, do it morning, noon, and night. Listen to what David says. This is what happens. And he will hear my voice. He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle 
which is against me. For there are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them, even the one who sits from old. And then he says this, with whom, with whom there is no change. With whom, he's speaking of God. With whom there is no change. Listen to me close. God allows big changes to happen to show us that nothing doesn't change except God. Nothing doesn't change. Folks, I'm just telling you. Who would have thought there'd be nobody in the sanctuary? Who would have thought that we have to do church online? Who would have thought a pandemic was here? Nobody. Nothing doesn't change. I know that's kind of, kind of weird English, but nothing doesn't change except God. That's what David said. He said, I've lost friendships. I've lost everything. I'm running for my life. I'm complaining. I'm murmuring, but I'm calling upon the God who doesn't change. Who doesn't change. And if God doesn't change, then how he feels about me hasn't changed either. Even in the worst moments of my life, my complaining, murmuring moments, God goes, I still hear that prayer. I still talk to you. I still talk to you. If God doesn't change, then how he feels about us hasn't changed. And let me tell you how God feels about you. Listen to me close. He loves you and he wants to spend eternity with you. He loves you and he wants to spend eternity with you. The greatest change that can happen right now is changing your eternity, changing your destiny, changing where you will spend the rest of your life. Where, listen, where will you be a hundred years from today? That question can be answered right now. This is the change that can take place. This is good change. Some of you are listening to this message. It was as if God came and started pulling out all the comfortable parts of, your, of the seat that you're sitting in right now, listening to this, going like, why do I feel uncomfortable? Because God is calling you. God is about to bring you to a new place. God is about to change your life because God is about to change your relationship. What you thought was a religion, God says is a relationship. And that relationship is called being born again. Not TSC's, not TSC's words. This is, this is Jesus' words. This is, this is the question that every one of us has to answer. That, that how do you get to heaven? How do you get there? Some say water baptism. Some say communion. Some say by going to church. There's some of you that are listening saying, well, I'm just a good person. All of these are good, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus' words were this. You must be born again. That's Jesus. Those are his words. Those are, he says, and these are the words that he says, John 3, 3 and John 3, 5. These are his words. No man, including me, including Greg Thomas, Patrick and Harry, everyone on this stage, none of us will ever see the kingdom of heaven unless we are born again. That's the change. That's the good change. That's the good change that can come in the midst of this, of this massive change that's taking place. That's the rock that when everything is said, that's the rock I want you to stand upon. Jesus said, you must be born again. Well, Pastor Tim, how, how do I do that? I, 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 can't, I can't come to church. See, people thought coming to church gets them to heaven. What if church is taken away from you? 
Do you think God would do that saying, well, I want you to go to heaven, but, but you can't go to church anymore. See, all those things that we thought with those props are all removed. We see sand. God goes, let me show you what the rock is. Let me, let me explain. Let me, let me be rock solid with this right now. How do I become born again? Listen to me close. It's a symbol. It's a simple, as we would tell a child to learn the ABCs, it's as simple as that. A, B, C. Explain that, Pastor Tim. A, B, and C. Those three letters. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. A is admitting I'm a sinner. It's when I get honest with God that we all, starting with me, have a condition called sin. All of humanity has the same, has the same condition that we can't fix ourselves. I can't fix it with a promise I'm going to be good. I can't fix it with a program that, that tries to get it out of me. I can't fix it with a priest or even a pastor can't fix it. We need help to fix it. I, I am, I am a, I'm broken inside. And that brokenness is diagnosed as sin. And I have to admit that that's the diagnosis. Or as one pastor said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We, we need more than a second chance. We need a second birth. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the A part. It's B, then also believing that God has sent his son to fix that condition. I, I can't fix myself. I can't do enough for God to love me and accept me to bring me to heaven. If we could fix ourselves, then listen, then why would God have to send his son to die on a cross? If we could fix ourselves, then God sending his son would be the worst case of child abuse in human history. Go to the cross, suffer the way you did, but I'm going to tell them to fix yourself so you can get to heaven. If I could fix myself by being good, then Jesus would never have to die on the cross. Jesus dying for me is Jesus being my sin bearer, paying the price for me. It was, it was Jesus who lived the life I should have lived, died the death I should have died to give me a reward called heaven that I just even don't deserve. And finally, it's confessing him. That's the C word. Admit, believe, confess. Confess Jesus, Romans 10, 9 and 10, as Lord. That's a huge word. That's just not a word that, that we sing. It's a word that actually means to be in charge. You're the boss. What you say, you have veto right in my life. Do you think Jesus sent his son to die on a cross to get you to sit in a church for an hour and a half on Sunday? Do you think Jesus went through all of that pain to say, all I want is an hour and a half, 90 minutes on Sunday. That's why I went through all this. That's not, that, that's religion. Jesus doesn't want Sunday for two hours. Jesus wants every day. That's what he wants. That's relationship. That's what he's called us to. That's why coming, coming to church on Sunday is religion. Being born again is relationship. That's why Christianity is not coming, is not coming to a place, but it's coming to a person. And today, just as you had a first birth, today could be a second birth. Just as you were born in the hospital a first time, Today, you can be born again the second time. Your first birth was physical. Your second birth is spiritual. Then, Pastor Tim, how do I do that? Wherever you're at right now, wherever you're watching, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right now. Just close your eyes. Just listen with your ears, and I'm going to ask you to pray with your heart. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, 
I want that. I want my destiny. I want my future. I want my eternity changed today. Then I want to invite you to pray a, a born again prayer with me. Is the prayer the thing that changed? No, no, no. It's you making a decision inside of your heart. If it's, if you don't make a decision in turn, then there's just words. But today I just want to help you with some words just to put, to put language to what your desire is. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. But if you're, you're sitting there, whether it's in a living room, whether you're in a kitchen, whether you're in an office, backyard, or even in your car, maybe, maybe you have a family that's not even a Christian and you had to secretly take your phone and sit in a closet right now, in a closet, and you're, and you're watching it on the phone. This is a moment. This is a moment. Jesus said, John 3, 5, you must be born again. Let's not make optional what Jesus says is a necessity. And if you're here today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say it out loud. If you're able to right now, just say it out loud. You don't have to scream it, but even just whisper it. Just say these words with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen.